Welcome to Tribes Podcast. Thank you for making this message a part of your week. If you're ever in Jackson Hole, we would love for you to visit our tribe family. We meet on Sundays at the Snow King Conference Center. And if you'd like to know more about us, you can find us online or on Facebook by searching tribejh.com. But I'm not talking about healing today. I'm actually talking from Job 33, 14 to 17. If you'd open your Bibles with me, if you have one, or open up your phone, that would be great. I'm actually reading out of um, the New King James. For God may speak. This is Job 33, 14 to 17. For God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, When deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their beds, he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction in order to turn man from his deed and conceal pride from man. He keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. Now, this verse is a verse that I didn't actually come to know until I was about in my 20s, I think it was. Um, Yet, I lived this verse or experienced this verse the whole of my life. So, um, I was, are you going to come up, Adrian, and fix this, or do I need to fix it, put it down? Sorry for that. I'm going to keep talking and let Adrian finagle with it when he comes up. Um, So, from the time I was a little girl, I had dreams, and I was raised in an amazing Catholic home. Um, My mother did not really know very much about dreams. She had never studied dreams at the church that we went to, at least. It wasn't encouraged to listen to God in dreams. We had no background for it whatsoever. But I would have powerful dreams, and I would come down to the breakfast table, and I would tell my mom, Mom, I had this dream last night, and I think maybe God is speaking to me. And I would tell her what it was that I thought that God was saying, and she would affirm it. And she goes, you know, I think maybe you're right. I think God is speaking to you. And so I grew up just kind of having this be the norm of my life, not realizing that not everybody pays attention to their dreams. And when I got a little bit older, in my 20s, um, I came closer to Jesus. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, my dreams started from what they were very, very simple prior to that. And then all of a sudden, they became just full-blown, technicolor pages in length when I wrote them down. And what I readily could understand when I was a kid, I couldn't understand as an adult. And so I started praying, and I was like, Lord, I don't understand this. I think you're speaking to me even more powerfully than when I was a child. I need to understand. And so one day, this is the days before, um, I don't even think it was Google. It was probably a Yahoo search engine or something like that. It was back in, like, 2000, and I typed in Christian dream interpretation. And I typed that in because I knew enough to know that I did not want to study any New Age way of understanding dreams, and I didn't want to understand any study any psychological way of understanding dreams. I wanted to know the biblical truth. And I came across a ministry called Streams Ministries. And for those of you who know John Paul Jackson, he's no longer with us, but he was an amazing prophetic father and had a lot of understanding in dreams. And I ended up taking his courses. I ended up becoming an instructor for his courses. And it was as I studied under him that I got grounded in the word of God with regards to dreams. And I'm going to share just a snippet um, of that with you this morning, because it's a powerful, powerful way that God speaks. And I believe that God is, he's a speaking God. He speaks in loads and loads of ways. This is only one way, and I'm not suggesting it's the primary way, but I do want to encourage you to open your hearts to the, to the fact that God does speak in dreams. And maybe some of the dreams that you thought were just kind of weird and nonsensical and, you know, kind of like, oh gosh, it's just a pizza I ate, that just maybe if you open your heart to the Holy Spirit, you might hear his interpretation. So, Job 33, an amazing and powerful verse. I want to actually, you know what, let me go back to that really quickly, because I want to highlight a couple of things. What's One of the most important things about this particular verse is this, the second part where it says, man does not perceive it. So how many of you have woken up in the morning, you've had a dream, and you think maybe it does have a meaning, but you don't know what it means? Man does not perceive it. Man does not perceive it. God speaks something into our spirits, but here's what's awesome. If you go further along this verse, he's telling us that he opens up our ears, that's our spiritual ears, and he seals his instruction. So even if you didn't understand it, this verse doesn't say you have to understand it in order for that to happen. This verse says he puts his instruction inside of you and he seals it. And why does he do that? He does that because he wants to conceal pride from us. 
to turn us from our deeds. If he's turning us from our deeds, whose deeds is he turning us to? His. And if you go on in that verse, and I'm sorry I don't have it up there, but it says he keeps us from perishing by the sword. He keeps us from the pit. So he's keeping us from things that would keep us going our own way and help us to recognize what it is that he's doing. Now, even though this verse is in here, and even though it's a really powerful verse, next slide, please. What I find found is that for the most part in the church, we've lost our appreciation for dreams, and yet dreams are incredibly significant to God. So I want to just... Um, Bring up the next slide, if you would, please, Christian. I just want to share a little bit anecdotally about why I say that. Um, I teach in a lot of places. I'm really privileged to do that. And a number of places where I've been, even churches that are really open to the Holy Spirit, um, I will hear people talking about dreams. And they'll talk about a dream that's like completely bizarre, like, oh my gosh, I was wearing a pink tutu last night. I was in a bathtub. There was like a plastic tiger that went down the drain, and then I got out of the tub, and there were rainbows over my head. What is that like? That's bizarre, right? <laughs> and that's a, that, that is bizarre, but the reality is in dream life, that something like that can happen, Right? I just totally made that up, but there, there, that can happen in dream life. And because they're so nonsensical, our rational brain can't comprehend it, and so we think it's something that we ate. Instead of thinking, maybe, there just might be a meaning to it. The other reason why I say that is, um, we have the privilege, my husband and I lead outreach teams in a number of places, and we go and we interpret dreams for people, and we listen to God for them, and we speak over them what it is that we sense that they're saying. And, um, and so when we have our booth up and we have dream, in, you know, dream interpretation, we don't necessarily start out right away by telling people, hey, we're Christians, because a lot of the environments we go to are really new age, and, um, and they, people wouldn't even come in if they knew that we were Christians. But we definitely are asking God to open that door, and when they find out out that we're followers of Jesus, more often than not, they will say something like this. I didn't know Christians could interpret dreams. And what's even harder for me to hear is when they say, I didn't know that Christians hear God. And the reason why is because for those of us in the Christian world and in the church who are open to these things, for the most part, we've kept them inside the four walls of the church, these amazing gifts. And the world isn't used to seeing them. And I'm thankful that we're in a season that that's changing. But we're the ones who know the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a giver of all interpretations. That comes from Genesis 40. We're the ones who should be able to give interpretations to dreams. Finally, at some of these events when there are other Christians who are also there on outreach, when they find out that we are Christians, we will get drilled. Are you sure you're a Christian? (laughs) Because we're there interpreting dreams. And I've had even people tell me, even after I've talked to them about my walk with the Lord, say, are you sure you're saved? So for the most part in the church, we've lost our interpretation of dreams. Do you want me to go to the handheld? Okay. Okay. Yep. Now, I already gave you one verse um, to talk about the importance of dreams and to to validate that dreams should be paid attention to. Um, But we have other examples. If you look in the Old Testament, he not only used dreams of non-believers, but they were people who were in positions of authority. And he used Daniel and Joseph to turn pagan kings' hearts to God. or to at least be aware of what God was speaking to them. And in fact, at that time, they acknowledged that there wasn't anybody else who didn't have the Spirit of God who could actually interpret the dreams. Only Daniel was able to for Nebuchadnezzar. Only Joseph was able to for the butler and the baker. And what ended up happening with those dreams and others is that he ended up positioning Daniel and Joseph in in places of favor with those kings. And if you read in those stories, there were significant things that happened as a result of that for entire nations. And I believe that that's supposed to be happening today. Now, I don't believe that you and I are necessarily going to sit before, you know, the President of the United States or the Queen of England. Not all of us will do that. But I do believe that some are called to. 
I do believe that some are called to go to those places. And I do believe that there are other people in positions of authority in our community, people on school boards, people in the police, mayors, etc., who have dreams that are significant that just may turn a town to God or give a solution to something that is plaguing the city. And we need to be available to actually interpret for them when, when that opportunity provides, um, presents itself. He also gave Gideon the encouragement that he needed that he would overcome the Midianites. This particular story I'm really amazed at because I, I don't know about you, but how many of you would like just love for Jesus to come and visit you like be there right there with you, yeah? Like right there, you know? And this is happening for Gideon. And, and, and the Lord is telling Gideon, listen, you're going to overcome the Midianites. He tells him all these prophecies. But Gideon has the audacity to not believe him. And the Lord knows it. And so the Lord tells him, okay, I know you don't believe me, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously. So he says, go down to the camp, and you're going to hear something that's said. And what does Gideon do? He goes down to the camp. He overhears a dream. And the dream basically is a non-believer's dream. It's one of the Midianites. And he's telling this other guy this dream. And he says, I had this dream, and I saw this big loaf of barley come into the camp, and it overturned the camp, and it destroyed everything that was there. And the other guy says to him, this is none other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, into his hand. God has delivered the Midianites. What does that mean? He's basically saying he's prepared them. Listen, Daniel, or excuse me, Gideon is over going to come, is going to overcome you guys. That's what's happening in that dream. Gideon hears that dream, and now all of a sudden he's buoyed up with faith. He's like, "All right, let's go." And you know the story. He goes with the three hundred against them. So he gives Gideon that encouragement that he needed in a dream. And then we come to the precious life of Jesus. And we have God revealing that Mary's pregnancy was from the Holy Spirit to Joseph. Can you imagine what it was like being Joseph? Mary's had this experience with an angel. He, she's, he's been told that she's going to carry the Son of God. She goes to Joseph and says, Joseph, I know we're not married, but an angel has visited me and I'm pregnant. <laughs> Can you imagine that conversation? And so what happens? God in his kindness and in his goodness prepares Joseph and says, this is the Holy Spirit. And then he warns the wise men. So we know that the Herod has actually sent the wise men to go and see what's happening. And uh, they go, and they're supposed to go and report to Herod. And you know the rest of that story um, because he's, Herod's concerned about this king being born. And the wise men are told not to go and report to Herod. So God, the Father, through the Holy Spirit, is giving a dream to wise men, whose spiritual background we don't even know, to call them to protect the life of Jesus by not going back to Herod. That's a pretty powerful revelation that's given in a dream. And not only that, we then have Joseph being given instruction to go, to settle into another land, to not report back. Why? Because Herod's about to kill all the, children, all the boys under two. So they go, they flee to Egypt, and they're told to stay there. And in fact, they stay there until Joseph has another dream, telling them not only to go back, but specifically where to settle. And what's interesting about that dream is, if you know it, they're told to settle in Nazareth. There are prophecies in the Old Testament that are basically saying that's where the Messiah would come from. So now, not only is God protecting the life of Jesus, he's actually hanging the fulfillment of biblical scripture on the receptivity of a dream. That is a powerful, powerful statement, I believe, in the scriptures about how important dreams are. Now, not all of us are going to have those life-changing dreams all the time. I'm not suggesting that. But I would say it definitely signifies the importance of dreams to God and, and to, to value what might be spoken at night and seek the Holy Spirit for what he might be saying. So I want to go through some of the purpose and function of dreams. I'm going to give a few examples, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to give examples for each of these in my personal life. Um, so the, for this first one, um, we're, he warns us about possible sin, and he keeps us from doing it. So if you know the story of Sarah and Abimelech, um, Sarah has been um, given to Abimelech, and for whatever reason, Abraham has not actually told him that Sarah is his wife, and Abimelech is determined to sleep with Sarah. 
And God warns Abimelech in a dream to not do that because Sarah is another man's wife. So he's warning in a dream to keep us from possible sin. That's one thing that he can do in your dreams. He also gives us dreams to prophesy his will. So if you look in Genesis 28, and there, by the way, there are different um, uh, examples, obviously, I could use. I'm only pulling out of some right now. But in Genesis 28, Jacob has a dream about this ladder and these angels that are going up and down it and, or, and ascending and descending. And when he woke up, God spoke to him that the land that he was on uh, would be his and his descendants and that all people would be blessed through them. And there's something obviously being prophesied about the presence of angelic activity in this land. So um, God can prophesy his will. I'll give you an example of one of mine. Uh, Many years ago, I had a dream. And in the dream, hmm, sorry, my throat is a little bit tickly, so I'm just going to drink every now and then. Um, In the dream, oh, let me back up. In in my actual waking life, I had, God had started opening the door, and this is back in about 2002, to start ministering to people in the New Age. And at that time, I didn't really have a heart for people in the New Age. It wasn't a particular people group that I was aware of. I didn't have a background in the New Age. But there were things that God was definitely stirring this calling, and I didn't really understand it. And I just asked him to confirm it, because I know it's, you know, we need to be uh, mindful of how we spend our time. And and I knew that it was going to be a significant investment of time for me to do this. So I have this dream. And in this dream, I'm at a concert. And there's a woman there named Teresa Griffith. She actually has a ministry to the new age as well and she's playing this amazing prophetic music and I can see all these people in the congregation and I know that they are all into new age spirituality and I can see in the realm of the spirit the holy spirit opening their hearts to Jesus as she's playing this prophetic music and I'm all the way in the back and I just watch this whole thing and at the very end this woman comes up to me and she asks me to pray for her and so I sit down and I start praying for her and she's um you know, just sort of an ordinary looking woman. I don't remember the color of her hair or anything, but I just know she was a kind of everyday normal person, nothing very distinct about her. But I was closing my eyes and I was holding her really close to me and I was just speaking to her and blessing her with the spirit of Jesus. And when I pulled away from her, she had totally changed. And now she was a young Jewish woman. She had curly hair. She had a very prominent Jewish face. I knew that she was Jewish. And I knew that everything that I had poured into this new age woman had now all of a sudden been poured into this Jewish woman. And when I woke up from the dream and I asked the Lord what he was saying to me, what he wanted to speak, he just said, Part of my call to you in reaching out to the new age is to prepare you for what I have for you to do with the people of Israel. And all of a sudden, I understood now why I was being drawn to reach out to people in the new age because the Lord had spoken to me quite a bit about reaching out to people of a Jewish background. And it opened my heart to what God wanted to do. So he prophesied his will in that dream to me. And now, that was back in, gosh, 2000, now 2020. So for 18 years, I've had the privilege of going to various New Age festivals, interpreting dreams for people who were into New Age spirituality, um, prophesying over them, and seeing their hearts become open to God. And... um, It's been a really, really amazing honor to do that. And I know, even though I've not yet seen what God has for my husband and I in Israel, I know that that's coming. To show us a future and prepare us for it, Genesis 37, um, verses 5 to 10. And Joseph has a dream in Genesis 37 about his brothers and these sheaves of grain bowing down to him. And that whole dream is preparing him for his eventual rule over his brothers. And then we go to Joseph 40, to the butlers and the bakers' dreams. That's also preparing them for their futures. Then we have Pharaoh's dreams about Egypt and what's coming for the nation of Egypt in Genesis 41 and 2. And then we have in Daniel 2 and Daniel 4, Nebuchadnezzar's dream of dreams about his future and his kingdom. And all of them are is the kindness of God. If you were to go through each of those passages, you would see that it's a kindness of God to prepare each one of them for what is coming. 
So I want to share just a, a, a story about how God has done that in my life. Many years ago, I'm um, 48 now, so this is going back a while, but many years ago, I had a dream um, when I was not married. I didn't get married until I was 40 years old. In this dream, um, I was um, 35 years old at the time that I had it. So God had spoken to me about marriage. I knew that marriage was coming eventually. I didn't know exactly when it was coming, um, but I had, a, I had an inkling that God was preparing me for. And of course, when you have an inkling that God's preparing you for something, I don't know about you, but for me, that usually feels like, oh, this is just a few months away or maybe a year. And especially when you're a 35-year-old woman who wants children, you're thinking, hmm, clock is ticking. Let's hope that my husband is coming really soon, right? And so in my mind, as God is preparing me, that's, that's sort of my mentality. I'm 35 years old, and I have this dream. In this dream, I'm at the very front of the church, and I'm in my wedding dress. And I know instinctually that everything for my um, wedding is prepared. I know the caterers have been hired. I know the flowers are there. I know that everything is set up, and I know that it's just about to happen. And in fact, I'm at the front, and my husband is at the back. And of course, that's weird to me, because it should be the other way around, right? But I'm at the front, my husband is in the back, and I'm standing in front of about 40, 400 people. And I'm confused, and I'm actually irritated that my wedding is not starting. And all of a sudden, all these people start raising their hands, and it feels like the majority of the congregation has their hands raised. And I realize my wedding can't start until I answer all of their questions. So I call on the first person, and this first person asks, and she asks me about prophetic evangelism. And then another one asks me about dream interpretation. And every single one of their questions are about either prophetic evangelism or dream interpretation. But I know my wedding can't start until I answer all of their questions. And I'm irritated because I realize that's going to take a long time. Then all of a sudden, someone raises their hand, and for whatever reason, they ask me how old I am. And I answer in the dream, 37. But in reality, I'm 35. Now, I'm lucid dreaming at this point. How many of you lucid dream? You're aware that you're dreaming while you dream. <laughs> yeah, or you're interpreting your dream while you dream. That's lucid dreaming. So I know now that I am dreaming, and now I am really irritated because I am like, I have to wait another flipping two years until I get married? Are you serious? And so it's revealing my heart about answering these questions. Now, in reality, I was ministering. I was taking people on various outreaches. I was teaching about prophetic evangelism and dream interpretation. And in my natural waking life, I loved it. I was never irritated about it. But the dream was revealing the condition of my soul that in answering the call of God in my life, I was irritated that it was delaying my wedding. Okay? End of the dream comes. And in this dream, I have someone who's very close to me, who's um, into the new age, come and actually um, give me this gift. And he's coming with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Now, I don't know if all of you know who Philip Seymour Hoffman is. He actually has passed away since, but he was a really profound actor. And I know as he's coming towards me that he represents Seymour. Not S-E-Y-M-O-U-R, but the words Seymour, S-E-E-M-O-R-E. And I know that this person who's really close to me represents the New Age community. And they come and they bring this unbelievable carriage. It is encrusted with diamonds. It is absolutely stunningly gorgeous. And I know that this is the gift that I'm going to receive if I continue to answer all the questions for the people in the room. Now, carriages are really important in scripture. You know, it's about being able to take people somewhere. Elijah gets taken up to heaven in a chariot. It's something like that about entering into higher spiritual realms. Because it was diamond encrusted, I knew it was talking about being able to reflect the light and the love of God to the world. And there was something important about it. But as I woke up from the dream, as encouraged as I was, I was still so sad about having to wait for my husband. And I had to grapple with that. And I had to say to God, okay, God, you've revealed this inside of me. I don't want to wait because I really want kids. And I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to have kids if I wait longer. But if this is important to you, if you want me to give my life in service to these things, I will do it and I will say yes. Now, you can imagine, 
36 comes. And I'm approaching 37. And I'm like, all right, I'm getting married. You know, that's my mentality. I'd interpreted the rest of the dream well. But what I didn't realize, what God was saying to me, was at age 37, I would still be waiting. The dream didn't say to me, you're getting married at 37. The dream was letting me know at age 37, there was still more for me to do from a ministry perspective. Now, I'll be honest with you. At first, I was kind of ticked off (laughs) when I realized that. But then I realized it was the grace of God that I didn't know that at 35. It was the grace of God that he let me you know, interpret the rest of the dream, but that he allowed me to believe, because here's what happened. It gave me grace to wait for those two years. And then at 37, I realized I was more mature in the Lord. And by that time, I thought, you know what? I don't know when marriage is going to happen, but God has spoken to me that it will. And so I'm going to wait. And he gave me grace until I met my husband at age 39. And that story is a crazy, amazing story, which I won't tell you now, but I will say this. If I had gotten married earlier and chosen my own husband, you know, I would have chosen my own husband. It would not have been the amazing husband that I have. And I am so thankful that God had me wait. And I am so thankful that the years that I had of, of not being married, and you know what? I still don't have kids. I don't have kids in the natural. But here's what God has done in place of that. He's given me an incredibly powerful connection with every one of my nieces and nephews, and he's given me spiritual children in many places around the world that I would not have the privilege of being a spiritual mom to if my story had been any different. He prepares us for the future. But here's what I've learned, not just about dreams as a form of revelation, but any revelation. They reveal attitudes of our heart. And I'm so grateful, Heidi, that you talked about being wholehearted because it's important that we're wholehearted to whatever it is that God would want to show us. And it's important that as he reveals things to us that maybe we don't really want in our soul, that we allow him to speak to those places and soften us to his will. What else does he do? He encounters us in personal ways, in dreams. In 1 Kings 3, God visits Solomon, and he tells him to ask him for whatever he wants. And if you know that verse, he talks about having a wise and understanding heart. And, but that encounter actually happens in a dream at night. So I want to give one more personal example. Um, because you know that verse that I spoke about in the very beginning, Job 33, 14 to 17. It says this, that God may speak in one way or another in a dream or a vision of the night. That means that two different things happen. Before coming to know that verse, I thought everything that happened at night was a dream. I didn't know the difference between dreams and visions. But if you study in scripture the difference between dreams and visions, there, there are a few differences, but one main difference is that dreams are highly, highly symbolic and kind of are like parables. Visions usually point to more literal events, things that are actually going to happen. They may still come in symbolic form, but they're pointing to literal events in the future. So look at Ezekiel and Daniel and the visions there, also in Revelation for that. Um, so we can have dreams and visions at night, and this actually was a vision that I had. So um, in this experience, um, I'm taken somewhere by Jesus. I don't really know initially where I am. All I can say is that I'm somewhere with him in the realm of the spirit. I do not see his face. He's next to me, but I know that it's him, and I can feel his love for me. And he takes me in this experience around the entire earth, and he shows me every river on the earth. And the reason why I know it's every river is because I can see all the different cultural clothing as we are going by. I can see different landscapes. I can see, I can hear in the distance different languages. But my focus isn't on any of those. My focus is entirely on the rivers that Jesus is showing me. Jesus doesn't say anything on this flight. He just takes me on this flight all around the world. And at the end of the flight, he brings me back to wherever it was that we began. And he whispers in my ear, Janine, there's a reason why my presence is likened to the river of God. 
If you will study the rivers that are found in scripture, I will show you what happens in my presence. And as quickly as the experience started is as quickly as it ended. I woke up in the morning. I went from Genesis through Revelation, and I just started studying every river that's in Scripture. Every when people are by them, when people are walk, going over them, when they're in them, anything that about the rivers. And um, I'm in the process actually of writing the message in a book form that the Lord has given me. But I've spoken on it many times in retreats, and um, and it's in, it's absolutely incredible what the Lord um, un- unveiled through that. And that's not really important. I don't want to shift over to that message right now. But I just want to say this. That experience was a visitation in a vision by Jesus. That can happen at night. And I want to open up your heart and your mind to that. And don't just trust me. Go and look at these verses that I'm sharing with you. Look at the ones where we see visions. Look at what's happening in dreams. Because it's as you open your heart to the word of God, you open up your spirit to receiving or at least being able to understand when things like this happen and be aware of the importance of what God is doing in you. Christian, I have no idea if you're going, you are, you're awesome. I'm not even giving you any instruction. Thanks very much for continuing on with that. He also gives us encouragement. So Judges 7, verse 9 to 15, that's the one about Gideon. That's the encouragement that he gives to the Midianites. That's that story. I already spoke about this one too um, in Matthew 1. He gives things to our spirits that our rational minds cannot understand. So this is when God explains uh, Mary's pregnancy to Joseph. And then finally, he also gives us clear direction. In Matthew, we see several times God speaking in a dream, do this, go here, don't go report to Herod, go to Egypt, go to Nazareth. You can be given clear direction in dreams. So, if this is what God does, if this, is, if this opens up our hearts and our spirits to what God wants to do and is doing in our dreams, why is it that dreams are crazy? Why is it that we have these dreams that don't make any sense? Why is it that we have dreams like that one that I said about the, you know, the tiger and the, um, and the plastic, or the pink tutu and all that other stuff? Now, that was a made-up one, but let me give you a real one. This is one of the first dreams I saw John Paul interpret way back when, and I was doing the courses. There was a woman in the class. She was nearing 80 years old. She came up to the front of the classroom, and she said, I don't know if this it has any meaning whatsoever, but this is a dream that has really stuck with me in the past few years. And she goes, it's really silly. I think it's really crazy. I don't know if it has any meaning. So she's naysaying it as much as she possibly can, right? But this is her dream. I'm going to say it in the first person, because what I find is it's usually easier for you to picture it as I'm saying it if I say it that way. So this is what she says. In my dream... I um, go to this town. This town is absolutely beautiful and pristine. Everything is in perfect order. The shrubs are gorgeous. The grass is gorgeous. The buildings architecturally are beautiful and perfect. Everything is perfect and pristine. And I walk into this town, and I'm just drawn to this one building. And I I know that I need to go upstairs in this building. So I go into the building. I go upstairs. I go, and I look out this window. And as I'm looking out this window, all of a sudden, I see a herd of pigs come into the town. And they come into the town, and they tear up everything. And very, very quickly, what was once pristine and beautiful and clean and, and wonderful is now completely torn apart. And I become aware at this point in the dream that I have a machine gun with me. Now, she steps out of the dream, and she says this to us. I don't have a machine gun. And (laughs) she says, because she's thinking rationally, she said, and I have this machine gun, and I realize my job is to shoot every one of the pigs, and I don't want to do that. She said, but then I realize that instead of real bullets, I have M&Ms. And I know that it's not going to kill them. So I take my gun with M&Ms, and I start shooting at the pigs. And I hit the mark every time. And one by one by one, every pig is driven out of that town, away from it. And all of a sudden, as soon as I deal with all of them, I look back at the town. And it once again is beautiful and pristine and clean and everything that I saw originally. And that was the end of my dream. And John Paul said something like this to her. It was many years ago, so I can't remember it exactly. But he said something like this. This dream is about you. And this dream is revealing the gifting that you have. With the kindness of your words, 
with the sweetness of the word of your words, you hit the mark every time you deal with something unclean in a person's heart. And when you do that, it drives what is unclean out of people's lives, out of situations, even out of cities and towns. And what ends up happening as a result of you releasing the kindness and sweetness of your words is that God's perfect order is once again restored. Now, as you can imagine, this woman was deeply touched. She started crying. I had the opportunity to talk to her the next day. And um, she said, you know, when you get to be my age, you start to wonder whether or not you've really done what you were supposed to do in life. And I look at all the people who've gone to all these amazing countries and done all this missions work, and I compare myself to them, and I don't see that I've done as much as that they have done. She goes, but when he said that to me, I realized all the times that I could see people before me hearing the word of God. And I thought of the times that people have said to me that they could see the kindness of Jesus and that they felt his love as I was speaking. And all of a sudden I realized I've done what God has asked me to do. Now that's a pretty crazy dream, <laughs> Right? And how many of us would wake up from that dream and would think, gosh, there's a meaning, you know? How many of us before having a teaching like this might think, gosh, I, I don't know, that's kind of strange and I don't really know why there was a pig and a machine gun and M&Ms and all that other stuff. But when we look at the scriptures, it's really clear. God speaks in symbols and metaphors and in facts, he uses puns as well. We see it in the Old Testament and we see it in the New Testament. It's the way that God speaks. Now, I don't have time to go through each of these verses, but I'd encourage you to write them down. In the Old Testament, you see the potter and the clay. God is using the imagery of that in Jeremiah 18 to speak to Jeremiah a prophetic word for the nation of Israel. And then you look at the almond branch. This is actually a pun. Um, where, and you don't necessarily see it in um, the scriptures if you read it in English. But in the Hebrew, here's what's happening. Jeremiah is being spoken to you by the Lord. The Lord says, what do you see? Jeremiah says, I see a sockhead. I see a branch of an almond tree. And the Lord says this, yes, you are correct. For I am sockhead to see that my word is performed. Sockhead was branch. The, word was make, the Lord is making a pun and he says, sockhead, sockhead, sockhead. Does that make sense? He's making a pun, and he's basically saying, I'm watching over my word to see that it's performed. So God speaks in puns in scripture. There are loads of examples. If you want to find out more, Google puns in the Bible, and you will find loads of scriptural references that say this. Why is this important? Because it's important that if you choose the way that I did, remember when I said Philip Seymour Hoffman? And I knew that the Lord was saying to me that Seymour was about S-E-E-M-O-R-E. That is being biblical, that is a biblical approach because God speaks in puns in the Bible. Does that make sense? All right? So we can open ourselves to that possibility that it's not just symbols and metaphors, that it also can be puns. Another um, symbol in the Old Testament, the boiling pot coming from the north. That's in Jeremiah 1, 11 to 12. And then we come on the scene with the New Testament. And Jesus uses parables to teach about the principles of the kingdom. And, you know, Jesus is perfect theology himself. He is. He's a rep perfect representation of the word of God. And we came, he came on the scene. He could have easily, easily, easily just argued with the best around theology and made it very, very heady because he's capable of doing that. But instead, what does he do? He comes on the scene. Go ahead and bring up the pictures if you would, Christian. And he talks about very simple things. <laughs> My kingdom is like a mustard seed. I am the water. I'm, you know, I am, oh, sorry, I'm the light of the world. I am living water to the woman at the well. And he talks about to the disciples, to the apostles, about going out and becoming fishers of men. He talks about trees. He talks about figs. He uses this, this imagery, this symbolic imagery, to try to help us get what it is that he's talking about. And here's why I bring this up. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he spoke in symbols, metaphors, and puns in the word of God, he's going to do that in your visions, in the picture language that he gives you when you pray, and in your dreams. And the more that you can familiarize yourself with how he does this in the word of God, 
the more you're going to be able to apply it to all the different forms of revelation that he brings to you. He dreams they're just night parables. That next slide, Christian. If we can understand and embrace the biblical principle that God speaks in symbols, metaphors, and puns, and we apply that principle to interpreting our dreams, and that should say other forms of revelation because it doesn't just apply to dreams, we're going to begin to understand them. So how many of you, when you pray and you close your eyes, either for yourself or someone else, how many of you see pictures? Same thing. You see those pictures, you can interpret them. Symbol, metaphor, pun. Holy Spirit, what are you trying to speak? Holy Spirit, what do you want to say through this symbol? Now, dreams, with dreams, you're going to need to ask him, you've had this dream, you're going to need to break it down to maybe like four or five symbols in the dream because dreams can be pretty crazy, right? (laughs) But if you can try to whittle it down to four or five main symbols and ask the Holy Spirit for an interpretation, it's going to help to simplify the dream for you. Now, I want to encourage you, in fact, even implore you, (laughs) that if you have not before today thought about the way that God speaks in dreams, to ask him to start giving you dreams. Because he, this is the way he does it. Now, he may speak to you in other ways too, so I don't want to minimize you know, his speaking to just dreams. But here's what I have found. When people begin to study dreams in the Bible, um, the scripture's clear. Whatever it is that you sow, you reap, right? And I have seen loads of people who were non-dreamers all of their life all of a sudden become dreamers. I've had people who've come to the courses that that I teach where the husband either comes for the wife or the wife comes for the husband because one or the other, you know, has dreams and the other one doesn't. And all of a sudden, the one who doesn't now all of a sudden just begins dreaming. And sometimes they're even better interpreters than the one who is a dreamer. The other thing I want to encourage you with is this. If you know Jesus and you've asked him to come into your life to save you, to be your Lord, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Therefore, you have access to the one who has all interpretations. Because in Genesis 40, we're promised all interpretations belong to God. Now, I will admit, you know, I I teach workshops. And in fact, we've got one coming up next month. And there's a lot more to teach on this subject. Um, And there is something about giving yourself to that for sure. But I do want to encourage you, you can start from now. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you, and you can ask him for what it is that he's saying. And I want to encourage you that this is something, not only that's amazing in terms of being able to open up what God is speaking at night to us, but if we can grab hold of this, it is an evangelistic goldmine tool like you would not believe. When you go to your workplace or you go to your school and you start talking about dreams and you interpret them, all of a sudden you're going to see people say, oh, I had this dream. Can you interpret it? It happens all the time. I want to share with you one example, and this is one of many, many, many I've had the honor of interpreting over the years. So in 2003, 2002, I took John Paul's courses. I heard about an outreach that was coming up at the Sundance Film Festival in 2003. I go to this, and um, basically we're out with a team of about 25 people. There are three of us kind of going out at a time together. And we're basically just asking the Holy Spirit at the Sundance Film Festival where he wants us to go. And some of us are in Salt Lake, and some of us are up in Park City. And uh, our particular team was led to go to a Starbucks in Salt Lake to start out. Now, just so you know, this is where I was at faith level at this point in the journey. I'm walking into the Starbucks, and I'm thinking to myself, I can't even believe I'm here. I don't even think I really hear God that well. I don't really know how to interpret dreams. I'm not even really sure if this is really an evangelistic outreach because we're interpreting dreams. It's really weird. And I literally am just kind of rehearsing all this stuff in my head. And I'm like, God, I don't know why you brought me here, but I'm here, so please just show up somehow. So that's the level of faith that I'm at when I walk into this coffee shop. We go and we sit down, and basically what we do is we order coffees, and we just ask the Holy Spirit, all right, Holy Spirit, would you highlight to us who it is that you've given a dream to that's sitting here? 
And all of a sudden, this guy just sort of kind of catches my attention. And I talked to the team leader, and she's like, yeah, go for it. So I go over to this guy, and I said, hey, my name, I'm sorry to interrupt your, um, you know, interrupt you, but um, I know this is kind of going to sound strange, but my name is Janine, and I'm here with a bunch of friends, and we've been studying um, dream interpretation. And we're out here just practicing what it is that we've learned. And if you're a dreamer, we would love it if you would just come and hang out with us for a little bit and let us practice on some of your dreams. And the guy goes, Sure. He's like, I'm totally a dreamer. So he comes over with his girlfriend. He sits down. And he tells us all these wonderful dreams where basically he's being given ideas about inventions in his dreams. And we're talking to him about that. And it's great and it's wonderful, but it's not really opening up a door to any spiritual conversation. And that was really obviously our heart was was for that to happen. And so I'm praying and I'm like, Lord, would you please just bring to his mind if there is one where, you know, that's really spiritual, that's about you, where, you know, we could kind of bring that conversation in that direction, would you remind him? And so we're coming to what feels like the close of the conversation. And then all of a sudden he said, you know what? I know I've taken a lot of your time, but I have one more dream. Is that okay? And I knew as soon as he said it, I was like, I knew this was going to be the one. And he goes, so I had this dream about heaven the other night. And inside I'm like, cha-ching, here's the one, you know? And he said, he goes, so I had this dream about heaven. And he goes, and in this dream, I go to heaven and I see the most incredible mansion you've ever seen. And he starts to describe it. And I'm like, so thankful to God because I'm like, oh, Jesus, thank you for giving me an easy dream. I totally know what that means, right? And so he says that, but then he says this. He goes, and then I saw a disco ball and then I saw a dairy cow. What does that mean? And now I'm like deflated (laughs) because I have no clue what the dairy cow or the disco ball are about. But I start with what I know. And so I just, I said, hey, well, I said, um, I said, and I knew I could see he had like zero spiritual background. And I said, did you know that there are sacred scriptures that are written about mansions that are in heaven? And he said, "Uh, no, I didn't know that. And I said, yeah, well, they're in the scriptures, and they basically talk about um, mansions that are prepared for people who go to heaven. And I think you saw one of them. And I just started a conversation about what I thought these mansions would be like, because to be honest with you, I had no idea what the rest of the dream was about. And inside, I was praying in emergency tongues, please, Jesus, please, Jesus, please, Jesus, tell me what the rest of this dream means. So finally, I hear the Holy Spirit give me the strangest word of knowledge I've ever heard in my life. And he says this, Janine, Will loves cheese. And as soon as he said that, I knew he was talking about the dairy cow. So I looked at Will and I said, Will, this is a strange question. And I said, but uh, do you like cheese? And his girlfriend is sitting next to him and she whacks him on the chest. She goes, oh my gosh, it's like a food group to him. And I look at him and I said, well, Will, I said, that dairy cow is God's very funny way of telling you everything you love to eat is in heaven too. I said, did you know that there are sacred scriptures written about a feast that's prepared for those who go there? And he said, no, I didn't know that. And then all of a sudden, that disco ball just made sense. And I was like, and you know what? He gave you the disco ball because he just wants you to know it's going to be a party. Now, he had been welling up with tears. And at this point, a tear started coming down his face. And I knew I just needed to let it settle. And now I hear the Holy Spirit tell me, He's been asking whether or not I exist and whether or not heaven is real. Tell him yes to both questions. So I looked at him and I said, Will, have you been asking whether or not God exists? And he goes, yeah, I have. And I said, well, I believe he gave you this dream to let you know the answer to that question is yes. I said, have you been asking whether or not heaven is real? He goes, yeah, I have. And I said, well, I believe he gave you this dream to let you know yes to that question. Now he's fully crying, and he stands up at this point, takes both my hands in his hands, and he says this to me, you will never know what you did here tonight, but I want you to know that I know that I came here tonight because I was supposed to meet you, and I will keep asking the questions. And he walked away. Unbelievable experience. I was blown away by God, so thankful. But a second later, I was like, I didn't tell him about Jesus. I only told him about God. 
and I'm in Mormon territory. And what if he thinks I'm a Mormon? And I'm like completely freaking out over what just happened and feeling all this responsibility over what I didn't do. And that night I go to bed and I'm saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm so sorry I didn't give him the full gospel. And I'm just, you know, saying all this and feeling really guilty. And I start asking the Lord about it. And he says this to me, Janine, who gave Will that dream? You did, God. Who took you to the courses in just a few months ago so that you could learn how to interpret dreams like this? You did, God. And, and, and who made sure that you were aware of this film festival at that? You did, God. Who provided the way to come here to this festival? Well, you did that, God. And who, when you were sitting there in Starbucks, highlighted that young man? You did, God. And who led you by the Spirit to be at that exact moment in that exact time? And also led by the Spirit, that young man, to be there in exactly that time so that you would become aware of his presence? Who did that? You did, God. And then he said this to me. Can you not trust me with the next encounter? Here's what was amazing to me. I didn't trust God with the next encounter. I thought it was all on me to get this guy saved. And what I realized was this man, his heart is open to God. He's asking God whether or not God exists. And instead of God giving him a dream where he shows him Jesus walking the earth and performing miracles and dying on the cross and rising from the dead for his sins, God, in answer to this young man's question, gives him a dream about mansions, a dairy cow, and a disco ball. God's ways are not our ways. (laughs) But he knows exactly what to do to open up a person's heart and spirit to him. And that's what he did with that dream. Now, that's the only time I've ever met Will. I don't know what his journey is right now. As best I know, he's still searching from the way that I pray for him. I could be wrong. But what I do know is this, that the Holy Spirit met him that night, (laughs) that something got opened in his heart to search even more after God than what it was. And God wants to do that with you and with me, that we would know the ways of the Spirit, that we would know how he speaks, that we would be able to interpret things like this, that we would be used by him to speak into other people's lives. And I believe that's the invitation he has for us this morning. So I'm going to ask you to stand, if you would, and I just want to pray. And if you feel inclined, if you just want to open up your hands to God, I just want to speak a blessing over you. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would open up to every single one of us in this room all the ways that you speak. I thank you, Father, that you are a speaking God, that you always have been, that you are now, that you always will be. And I thank you that from the depth of your heart, you want us to understand all the ways that you speak. And I pray in particular this morning that dreams would be opened up to everyone in this room. I pray, Father, that you would open up the night season, that you would release dreams, that you would release visions, that you would help us catch them in the spirit. I thank you, Father, that even if we don't understand them, that your word says that you seal your instruction inside of us through them. And so, Father, this morning we say yes to you speaking and yes to you sealing your instruction inside of us. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would open up the scriptures to people, that as they're reading parables, as they're reading the Psalms, as they're reading about visions or any of the symbolic ways that you speak in the word, I pray that that scripture would come alive to them, that they would catch the way you speak in symbols and metaphors and puns. And I pray, Father, that as they see that in the scriptures, it would begin to unlock for them all the different ways of you give pictorial revelation, Father. Father, I ask not only for understanding, but I ask for wisdom with how to apply it to their lives. I ask for them to know whether it's for today, whether it's for tomorrow, or whether it's for the future. 
I ask that they would be open to knowing whether you're speaking about the past and there's something that you want to heal inside of them. I ask, Father, that you would help them to know when their soul is responding in a way that is counter to what you want for them. And I pray, Father, for soft hearts, soft hearts to your will, and that you would do whatever healing needs to come and whatever deliverance needs to come so that they would be freed to walk in your will. And Father, I ask that the same way that you've given me the ability to articulate interpretations of dreams, I ask that you give it to them. And I ask, Father, that what's taken me years and years and years to develop to where I am today, I ask that you do that in a mere fraction of time for them. May it be weeks or months, but not years. I pray, Father, that you would not only give them that supernatural articulation, but I pray that you would open up their spiritual eyes and their spiritual ears to people around them who don't know you, who are hearing you in different ways, but don't have understanding of it. And I pray, Father, that you would give them favor in those people's lives, that those people's eyes would be open to them and know that the Spirit of God is living inside of them. And I pray that it causes those people to search your children out for answers. And I pray, God, that in those places where we feel weak, we don't feel like we have the right words, we don't know how to minister, whatever it is that we say about ourselves, I pray, Father, that you would break through all of that and that you would help us just walk as your children in those places. And I pray for words straight from heaven to come to earth to bring your redemption, your restoration, your healing, your prophetic view of that person's life and their destiny. And I pray all these things in the name of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen. Um, man, do you want to come up? Um, love, do you want to come up, please? For those of you who, um, you know, feel particularly stirred and you just want someone to pray and lay hands on you, my husband and I, and whoever's with the prayer team, we would love to pray for you, um, even personally, if you would like that. Also, I just want to make a quick note. We're doing a, a course next um, workshop in February, February 21st and 22nd. It'll be up on the tribe website fairly soon. You'll get a text about it as well. And that's going to be a whole weekend of teaching, taking this teaching and really putting meat on it and, and helping you do some really practical stuff to get to get go further so I'll turn it over my takeaway is that the Holy Spirit leads us to Starbucks amen yeah <laughs> thank you for sharing all that today um, I just want to give you a couple quick things before we get out of here and like she said um, Janine and Ian will be down here if you guys have any more questions or if you're curious about something they would love to just talk to you for a minute and like she said we will have all that information about the workshop it'll be here in not here um, but it'll be here in Jackson and we'll get that up on our website and our Facebook page and all of that um, there is a flyer on the table, the tribe table, as you head out today, if you want that as well. Um, one of the ways that we worship here is through song. We did that early this morning. Another way is through the word being preached. And another way that we worship the Lord is through giving. So at this time, um, if you, whatever you feel inclined, the Lord is asking you to do. We like to receive gifts here because we trust Jesus to use them to make his name famous. That's what we always pray. So there's a few ways to give here at Tribe. Um, you can just write a check or put cash in the bucket. Um, you can also get out your smartphone. This is the way I do it. I think it's super easy. And you just simply start a new text to the number 84321. And once you're set up, um, it's super, super easy. So that's another way to give. And we do this every week as an opportunity just to say thank you to God and for all he's done for us. So um, let's pray over our giving today. I just have a couple quick announcements and then we'll get you guys out of here in just a few minutes. So Father God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the word that you put on Janine's heart today. Thank you for speaking through her today to us. Help us to be open to the new things that you would have us experience. And we just thank you for all the gifts of your people today. May we receive these um, with a thankful heart and just use them, Lord, to make your name famous here in Jackson, um, around the valley, and just to the uttermost bounds of the earth. Thank you for what you do in us and through us, Lord. We give you all the praise and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right, so as those buckets are being passed, um, those Connect cards that are on your seat, if you filled it out, or it's not too late, um, you can put it in the bucket or you can bring it to me or, so, or someone with a lanyard out at the tribe table. Those Connect cards are a great way um, that we can connect with you. So we always talk here from stage, but that's a way you guys can talk back to us. If you had a dream, maybe put that on there today. Or if you want to know more about tribe or if you just want to be put on our text list to see what's going on, there's lots of options on that card. Fill it out, drop it in the bucket, or like I said, just bring it to me at the tribe table or anyone wearing a tribe lanyard. If you need prayer for something before you leave, we have a banner in the back called Get Your Prayer On. You can go back there. Heidi and her team are ready to pray with you about anything. Nothing's too big or too small. We all need prayer for something, let's be honest. So take advantage as you head out. Um, But a couple quick things. Um, One, I want to remind you of the men's group that's starting at First B. It's led by Coulter Lane here at Tribe, but it is called Fight Club, and I love that. And it is a men's study group. It's every Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. It's a fantastic way to start your day. That's just for men over at First Beat. So guys, check that out. And then the other thing, the last thing is this. Uh, tribe winter semester groups are here. Tribe groups are starting. Um, you might have seen as you walked in. You'll see it again as you go out. But there's a special table out in the lobby today. And that is all of the tribe groups that are being offered this winter semester. So please take a few minutes to just kind of shop around and look. We also have um, menus out there is what we call them. So if you're not quite ready to commit or you're not sure, you need to ask, grab a little menu. They're just these little cards that we have out there that describes what the group is, what they're talking about, and all of that. So grab that on your way out or sign up for a a group today. Um, Here at Tribe, we just don't want to be another church that just has some small groups. And this is kind of the pulse of who we are. We are a church of tribe groups. And um, Sunday morning has its place and it's amazing. But we don't really roll up our sleeves a whole lot and do life together just in a couple hours on Sunday. Um, and that, and tribe groups is a great way to do life with people. So um, if you will just, if I cannot fall over, that was weird. <laughs> if you guys want to sign up today, it'll be there today and again next week. But then we're pulling them because groups are starting. So thank you so much for coming today. You already heard Pastor Brian say you got this. So I'm just going to say thank you. We bless you as you go out this week. Have a great week. You are dismissed.